0: Welcome back to Tay Learning. My name is Olivia.
1: And my name is Danny, and we are your co-hosts. And today, we are pumped to be talking about peace. (laughs) That's so funny. First of all, the alliteration of pumped and peace. But second of all, it's like, (laughs) oh, yeah, we're jazzed to talk about peace. And peace is like the most chill song (laughs) ever. Like, we're not talking about a club banger. We're talking about peace from folklore. But I'm pumped. (laughs) We've had several people say that you're excited, that you guys are excited about hearing about Peace. And we're excited to talk about it because, Olivia, do you think Peace is underrated? Absolutely.
0: 100%.
1: It is underrated. We could ah. do like a whole sub-series just on underrated songs. And I think that there are several on Folklore that are severely underrated. And Peace is such a prime example of a beautiful ballad song with deep meanings and a gorgeous beat. And just no one cares about it or talks about it ever.
0: I think it has to do with its placement on the album because what we go epiphany Peace, hoax and I know for me personally in the first several months even like maybe even years of folklore being out the last few tracks of the album just kind of ran together for me until I like I sat down and really really Kind of picked them apart and, you know, started to understand more of what's going on there and the differences between them. Obviously, Epiphany, Peace, and Hoax are wildly different songs. But when you've listened to the entirety of folklore for the first few times, I think they tend to be a little bit slower and they're at the end. So... Yeah, I I feel like they have a tendency to blend together if you're not actively listening.
1: I think that's true. And when I think about the underrated songs from Folklore, I do think about those three in particular. Now, Hoax is my least favorite from Folklore, so I understand why it might be underrated, but I also think that it is still a great song, and I understand why people love it. And I think Epiphany is just gorgeous and beautiful, and I can't wait to talk about Epiphany at some point, but I'll cry throughout that whole episode, and I know that I will. It's also slow. And then you have Peace, but Peace in contrast to Epiphany, for example, Peace is really confessional and really personal for Taylor. And a lot of people love Taylor's songs where she is a little bit more personal and confessional. So it takes me by surprise that this song wouldn't be more popular within the fandom because it's like, she's giving you all of this wildly personal information that we just get the chance Mm -hmm. to dissect. So we're excited to do that today. And also I'm shocked that more people don't talk about it because it is so deeply personal.
0: Yeah. I know for me, like, I love this song, but half the time I forget about it unless it comes on my shuffle play and I'm like, whoa, this song is so good. Every time it like somehow catches me off guard.
1: So we're going to talk about these devastating and personal lyrics and this instrumental that's not that crazy which somehow makes it crazy and everything else here in just a quick second but remember to rate and review and share this podcast we can see how many people listen each week and listen we're getting bigger each week but we also know that some of you could be sending this podcast to more buddies so keep sharing we love to see it grow and we love to interact with all of you and get your feedback and we always try to reply and we're going to take a quick break to talk about our sponsors and meet you right back here
0: We are about to go into peace, but before we do that, we do like to break down a couple things. We do have a quote from Taylor talking about how she was inspired to write piece, and then Erin desner's commentary who is a co-writer and the producer on this song
1: and i'll talk about the background a little bit about the song and we get a lot of context from the folklore long pond studio sessions which is where the quote olivia pulled we're going to talk about in a minute but for those of you who aren't aware of this song or aren't as familiar maybe it's one of your underrated ones from folklore so you don't listen to it as often your little reminder is that it is an incredible personal track from folklore towards the end of the album it has minimal composition soft and easy piano and this electric pulse that's going through this song i was watching this earlier the folklore long pond studio sessions with my mom earlier and she said that the pulse the made her anxious. And I said, that's the point. That's why we're Mm -hmm. in our Mental Cages series with this song, because this song is about relationship anxiety tied in with Taylor's own anxieties that make relationships explicitly more difficult. And it depends on how you look at the song of which angle she's taking and which angle you're taking. But that pulse that driving pulse that is supposed to invoke that feeling of anxiety Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and a fun fact the pulse in the song was created by Justin Vernon also known as Bon Iver so he didn't just collaborate on Exile on this album fun fact this is the third track that Taylor wrote with Aaron Dessner following Cardigan and Seven and of course like all the tracks on Folklore, this album and this song was created digitally where they were sending files back and forth to one another because we were in lockdown. They couldn't be face to face with one another because COVID-19 was just a crazy, crazy era. And that's how we ended up with this incredible song and really personal lyrics because Taylor was like alone while writing these and putting them over just this gorgeous instrumentation that Aaron Dessner had put together with the help of Justin Vernon with the Pulse. Online, somebody said that the structure of peace is reminiscent of a prayer, which I loved. I loved. I love the idea that this is her praying almost to her lover with all of these emotions that she's trying to express in her lyrics and also in the way that the song drives. And because the song is written the way that it is, it's really anxiety inducing, which doesn't make any sense because it is so serene and it is so peaceful, if you will. And the quote that Mm -hmm. Olivia pulled that we're going to talk about really gives you an idea of why people might listen to this song and feel anxious, even though it's such a beautiful, serene song.
0: And then uh, I guess before we get into that quote, another random fun fact about this song is that she recorded it in one take. She recorded the vocals in one take, which I love. Wow. Anywho, I guess without any further ado, we're pulling direct quotes from the Folklore Long Pond Studio sessions. You can watch it on Disney Plus if you haven't done some already. There are also like clips on YouTube for each song and everything. So I guess if you don't have Disney Plus... Um, You can scour YouTube to find (laughs) the videos of each song. But in this Disney Plus special, she takes the time before performing each song at Long Pond Studios to kind of explain either the inspiration behind the song, kind of how the song came to be, her experience writing it, recording it, a little more in-depth information about like the folklore love triangle and her thoughts of the characters and everything. And I could just listen to Taylor talk about the inspiration behind her music and how she wrote it, how she produced it forever. So I eat this stuff up. But what she said about peace and Danny and I are going to go back and forth. Danny's going to play Aaron Desner. I'm going to play Taylor Swift because they kind of have a back and forth conversation that really, really captures both of their mindsets when they were writing this song together. Taylor says, With the song Peace, when you sent me this instrumental, the first words that I thought of were that this is what peace sounds like. It's got this amazing bass line that made me feel like this is serenity, this is peace. And then I was thinking, maybe you just start with the obvious and think about how that could be told in an interesting way that goes against the title. Like, I could never give you peace over the most peaceful sounding instrumental track.
1: Me, as Aaron. You were able to write a song which not only is it such a beautiful love song and recognition of insecurity in any relationship of like, will I be able to give you peace, will you be at rest with me, even though whatever comes, but when I heard the bridge and that you traced all the weird timing and weird chord changes, it just felt like we can do anything.
0: I think this is a song that's extremely, extremely personal to me because there are times when I feel like with everything that's in my control, I can make myself seem like someone who doesn't have an abnormal life. And I try that every day. Every day, how do I make myself, among my friends and family and my loved ones, not see this big elephant that's in the room for our normal life because I don't want the elephant in the room. If you're going to be in my life, I feel like there's a certain amount that comes with it that I can't stop from happening. I can't stop you from getting a call in the morning that says the tabloids are writing this today. I can't help it if there's a guy with a long lens camera two miles away with a telescope lens taking pictures of you. I can't stop those things from happening. And so the song was basically like, is it enough? is the stuff that I can control enough to sort of block out the things that I can't. So it makes me, like, really emotional to hear this song and to know that a lot of people related to it who aren't talking about the same things that I'm talking about. They're talking about human complexity.
1: I love that about the record in general and this song specifically because to me it's about... I have in my life suffered from depression, and I'm a hard person to be in a relationship with or be married to because I go up and down and I can't help it. It's like a chemical thing that happens sometimes. And music is a way of dealing with that for me. And just somehow that the song captures the fragility of what it's like to be in a relationship with someone who may or may not have peace. Or that's my interpretation.
0: And it's someone who you would want to provide peace, you know, someone that you love. So you want them to have as much peace in their life as possible and reconciling the fact that you might not be their best option for that. But is it still a deal they want to take?
1: So that's the quotes back and forth between Aaron and Taylor. And something that Olivia had said to me before we hopped on was that they both have such specific interpretations of this song. And we'll talk about this as the song moves along. But the question, of course, is from the narrator perspective, does them having their own mental cages, if you will, depression in Aaron Dessner's case or anxiety, does that impact the relationship and make it hard to be in a relationship with that person? Or is it all of the external things that impact the relationship that make the relationship anxious? I think both are valid. I think something about Taylor's music is that the art is in the ear of the beholder. How you hear it is how it matters. But they both collaborated on this song and have different interpretations about what makes the relationship difficult and what makes it anxious. Yeah, This Mental Cages series, as we've talked about Embodies the songs of Taylors That really have to do with Mental health in all forms And while peace from her perspective Especially as, of course, the primary songwriter And as the Taylor Swift Is like, well, it's the external things That make the relationship anxious It also can be perceived as Your own personal mental cages Your own depression, anxiety, what have you Can make you hard to be in a relationship with And can make it hard to achieve peace So hear this however you need to hear it. But we're going to go in and kind of dive into these lyrics and talk about Taylor's personal experience from what she's told us and also just all of the different ways that you can read these beautiful lyrics.
0: Absolutely. I feel like this is definitely a song that there are several interpretations to a lot of these things in context of Taylor's life and other people's lives too. And I love her songs that can be seen from multiple angles.
1: Well, without further ado, let's jump into these lyrics because these folklore ones are are beefy. Folklore Evermore songs can be beefy to go through. <laughs> so verse one kicks off with, Our coming of age has come and gone. Suddenly this summer it's clear. I never had the courage of my convictions as long as danger is near.
0: Mm, for me, I feel like this opening stanza kind of acts as a time placer, our coming of age has come and gone. Suddenly the summer, it's clear. I can't read this in a way very easily that's not in context of Taylor. To me, it comes across as like, you know, we've both grown independently of each other and now we're together. Our coming of age being us maturing, becoming adults. We've already gone, like, we can't really blame like teenage angst. We can't blame being a young and fun early twenties person our coming of age has already come and it's gone. We've already gone through that. We're adults now. And suddenly the summer, it's clear. It's kind of like what I interpret to be a revelation point for her.
1: This lyric guts me so much because the thought of a coming of age having come and gone is such a beautiful way of saying like, oh, we're just older. But not only are we older, we're older together. And I kind of Mm -hmm. see this part of this song as a flip side to Cruel Summer because you've got Cruel Summer, which happened when she was like, 26 and she had this tumultuous relationship back and forth with again presumably joe Alwyn of this tense summer relationship when everything else was crumbling around her and then you get to four years later and it's suddenly the summer it's clear we're settling down i'm 30 it's time the coming age has come and gone
0: and like their problems or the way she feels it's suddenly clear i think is interesting too
1: and the I never had the courage of my convictions as long as danger is near. This line in particular is so interesting to me because I saw somebody online compare it to a line in The Archer from Lover. I jump mm-hmm. from the train, I ride off alone. I never grew up. It's getting so old. And then you have the coming of age is coming on tied into I never had the courage of my convictions as long as danger is near. So she's not sure of those decisions that she's making if there is a chance that she could fall from the tightrope and make the wrong move.
0: It almost like backtracks, right? The coming coming of age has come and gone almost makes you feel like she's establishing we're older and wiser now. But the I've never had the courage of my convictions almost makes it seem like I'm too old to be making excuses for mistakes almost. Like I don't have that I'm young excuse anymore.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And when we think about the line of courage of conviction, it's a phrase. So for those of you listening to English isn't your first language. To have the courage of one's convictions would mean specifically to act on one's belief despite danger or disapproval. And this line makes no sense in that form because I never had the courage of my conviction as long as danger is near. Well, yeah, you you can't have courage of your convictions if you're actively looking at the danger, if that makes sense, because mm-hmm. that's the mm-hmm. point. You proceed anyway despite the danger, and she doesn't want to proceed anywhere despite the danger. And I think that the next line really ties into that. I think I just have to say it. The next line mm-hmm. is, and it's just around the corner, darling, because it lives in me. No, I could never give you peace. And I say that I had had to go on and say it because as long as danger is near and, the, and it's just around the corner, darling, the danger is always near. I can't always make near. confident decisions because it's always there. It's the elephant in the room, man.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's always around the corner it being danger. The danger is always around the corner because the danger lives in her. She can't get away from it. She can never get away from it, no matter how hard she tries. She feels like, you know, as she put it in her, the quote that we read you guys earlier, the danger is someone can't handle her life. Her life is what it is. She can't change it. It will always be like that because she's at the point now, she's too big to change it. Even if Taylor Swift dropped everything now, heck of better words, and just quit music, quit being a celebrity, she could never truly quit that at this point. No, People would still find her and still take pictures of her and still chase her around the globe. There's nowhere where she could find peace ever.
1: There's no escape. And she's been hyper aware of this for a long time. But the album that came out before this album was Lover. And she mentioned in Me from Lover, Trouble's going to follow where I go. And while Me gets a lot of shit and you know Olivia's a me apologist i'm not as much there there's a lot of personality and a lot of confession in me and that's one of those lines that i think is personal the trouble's going to follow where i go right into no i could never give you peace she knows she knows yeah. just like olivia said that she could trap everything now but she will never be able to escape because she will always be idolized and loved
0: And I feel like working together this first verse paints a picture of suddenly the summer it's clear, no, I could never give you peace. Like maybe it was uh, our coming of age has come and gone. While they were coming of age, she had dreams of this beautiful, perfect relationship. But suddenly now, whatever summer it is that she's having this revelation, now it's clear that will never happen for them, which is heartbreaking. But then she goes into this beautiful chorus of, I'm a fire and I'll keep your brittle heart warm if your cascade ocean wave blues come. I love the imagery from these two lines. (laughs) So she's saying like, I could never give you peace, but I will take care of you to the best of my ability. No matter what comes, no matter what sadnesses you have. That's how I interpret the cascade ocean wave blues, like sadness or anything bad. I will be there to combat that.
1: I like that she explicitly uses the word but at the beginning, like you just said, when you emphasize but I'll keep your brittle heart warm. She glosses over that word, but it's still there. It's still part of the lyrics. No, I could never give you peace, but I'm a fire and I'll keep your brittle heart warm. And there's a couple of lyrical parallels that were pointed out online, so I got to mention them. One of them being that in Call It What You Want from Reputation, she sings the lyric, he built a fire just to keep me warm. So he did that for her in 2016, if we're talking about this in terms of Joe Alwyn, which we do believe this Mm -hmm. is about, he did that for her. And she's like, I can do that for you, though, if your ocean wave blues come. And then in Gorgeous from Reputation, Ocean Blue Eyes Looking in Mine. Now, that has to do with his eyes and how gorgeous they are. But she mentions she might sink and drown and die. So if his ocean wave blues come or if his life becomes overwhelming or if he's sad because her life is too overwhelming for him, maybe her warmth can be enough. And my final comparison on here, and this isn't a lyrical parallel, but I did see this on TikTok, which I loved, She's a fire sign. She's a Sagittarius. He is a water sign. He's a Pisces. Mm -hmm. I'm a fire. I was
0: waiting to say that to you
1: too. Damn it. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a fire. I'm a Sagittarius. I'm water. I'm a Pisces. I don't know. Do you think that's intentional?
0: I don't know. I feel, I want to say no, but. I want to say no. Who knows? Because like, I think she's a, she's an astrology girl for sure. Um, I mean, in the opening sequence of the Lavender Hayes music video, like she has the Sagittarius and Pisces star signs, like on the cover of one of her vinyls. Like I think she's into that. I wouldn't be entirely surprised.
1: I think she's into that too. You and I have talked about a lot on this podcast about how people just assume that Taylor Swift is so like, maniacal and everything is planned so perfectly when i have no doubt that several things are a coincidence and she's been like yeah i totally meant to do that how cool i'm so
0: smart
1: this could be an example (laughs) because i'm a fire and i'll keep your brittle heart warm if your cascade ocean wave blues come she's referenced building fires in terms of relationship and him having ocean wave blues before it could be a coincidence but either way it's a really cool parallel also, I just want
0: to like put in here, this has nothing to do with like the song analysis or anything, but um, do you guys remember when Urban Outfitters had that like Taylor Swift merch limited edition collection? And then there was that like cute little burnt orange, almost, almost, almost light orange hoodie that said, I'm a fire and I'll keep your brittle heart warm. Yeah, well, I had it in my car. I bought it. And then i tried to cancel a different order at urban outfitters and they canceled that order and never like fixed it and let me have the sweatshirt so now i never had the sweatshirt and i'm devastating sad about it. I it all the time it's such a cute sweatshirt and if you <sighs> have it i'm so jealous of you anywho that's i just had to that, that was the only place this rant would fit in because that's the, the, the lyric. say.
1: <gasps> oh my god that's so <sighs> devastating maybe somebody has like a dupe on etsy yeah I mean,
0: if you guys uh, know of anything, let a girl know because I think about that sweatshirt often and this happened like, what, three years ago?
1: (laughs) (laughs) The chorus continues with, all these people think love's for show, but I would die for you in secret.
0: This is one of my favorite lyrical parallels here. It references all the way back to debut. At least this is what jumps to my mind. All the way back to debut, In the song Cold As You, she sings about how she's never met someone as cold as this person that broke her heart. And in the bridge, she says, and I know you wouldn't have told nobody if I died, died for you. Meaning like, if she died for this person, this love interest of hers, she wouldn't want it to remain a secret. And that's her like 16 year old mindset that like that's the ultimate thing you can do for someone, but you would want other people to know that you did that ultimate thing for that person. And here we are years later in folklore where she's saying, I would die for you in secret. It doesn't matter who knows it because you know it. And that is all that matters.
1: Of course, the other obvious parallel is from false god from lover. The, we were crazy to think that this would work. Remember how I said I'd die for you. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to say it. I I can't sing well, any lyrics. <laughs> any <laughs> lyrics from False God without doing that. Eh. <laughs> it happens. I don't know. It's so interesting that Taylor seems to oscillate between uh, in secret. Like I want to do things in secret. Your love's a secret. I'm hoping, dream, and dying to keep. And then, like you said, in cold as you, though you would tell no one if I died for you, girl. What? Which one do you want? Yeah. What do you want? And I understand what she's actually saying. The frustration is. I would die for you in secret, but I don't want to have to. That's what she's getting at here. And all these people think love's for show. I saw somebody say online, which I thought was funny and is somewhat relevant here, of saying, what do you mean this love's for show, girl? You hid this relationship for so long. This love's for show? What show? It was so private. But of course, I think from what I draw from this is it probably felt really good to be in a long-term relationship for the first time after a string of really short-lived relationships. And maybe That's more what she means is not the relationship is on display for show, but the me being in a long-term relationship with a stable guy is the part that's for show. I guess
0: I always interpret that line as all these people think loves for show, but I would die for you in secret is uh, whether she truly like meant it at the time or, you know, later grew to realize that's not what she wanted. We don't have all the details of her feelings about her situation with Joe. Hopefully we will someday, but as of right now, we do not. And I interpret it as her... Happily having a secretive relationship with him, because what other people have to say doesn't matter because they're not in the relationship. Is I feel like the kind of wave she was trying to ride during this time. So it doesn't matter if these other people think you should be showing off your partner, or other people think that Joe Alwyn should be walking red carpets with her, because at the end of the day. She would die for him in secret because no one else matters which i feel like she was likely trying to find a balance here right you know Before Joe, she had very, very high profile relationships. I mean, we just did a a three part series on Harry Styles, which was so public that that was part of the things that made it crumble. So of course, like, it makes sense to me that she would try the other swing of the pendulum and have a severely private relationship. It makes sense to me, too, that she still wasn't quite satisfied, but she took some time to get there to realize that.
1: The chorus wraps up with the devil's in the details, but you got a friend in me. Would it be enough if I could never give you peace? The immediate contrast here for me that I noticed the first time I listened to this song, and I still always hear it, is she ends that first verse with, no, I could never give you peace. And then she ends the chorus with, would it be enough if I could never give you peace? And I don't really know if there is an intentional purpose to that. But for me, it feels like a, I could never give you peace. And then like backing up a little bit. And that's when she starts the chorus with the, but I'm a fire and I'll keep your bit of heart warm, but I would die for you in secret, those buts. And then being like, is it okay that I could mm-hmm. never give you peace? Is what I just described to you, all these buts, but
0: I could keep you warm, but I'd die for you in secret, but you have a friend in me. Is that enough? Because that's what I have to offer. <laughs> I can't give you this one thing, this one singular thing, but I can give you this slew of other things.
1: The devil's in the details is an idiom of course, which means that it might seem like a simple situation and then you get in there and all the details and it's complicated. And that to me seems like, oh, it would be an easy answer to date Taylor Swift from the outside, of course. I don't know if Taylor herself Mm -hmm. thinks this, but from the outside, she is successful and she's attractive. At the top of her game, she's rich. And then you get into the details, the camera lens from two miles away, taking a photo of you and the tabloids. watching
0: you at your family's funeral
1: yeah the tabloids (laughs) printing whatever they want Mm -hmm. and those are the details that's the devil's in the details but you got a friend in me that's another but we have here so the devil's in the details of the relationship but you have a friend in me you're not in this alone
0: yeah we're in this together like if it were as simple as you want me i want you i want to be with you we're together in this because i'm also experiencing these things you're not alone
1: yeah, and it's just not that simple, which is why we have the devil in the details. And then though, would it be enough if I could never give you peace, like we just talked about, she is giving all of these pros against all these cons. In 2020, in November of 2020, Taylor did an interview with Rolling Stone. And here is a piece pulled that I saw online that I loved. Taylor says, Peace is actually more rooted in my personal life. It comes after carving out a human life within a public life and how scary that can be when you do fall in love and you meet someone, especially if you've met someone who has a very grounded, normal way of living. I, oftentimes, in my anxieties, can control how I am as a person and how normal I act and rationalize things. But I cannot control if there are 20 photographers outside in the bushes and what they do and if they follow our car and if they interrupt our lives. I can't control if there's going to be a fake weird headline about us in the news tomorrow. Would it be enough if I could never fully achieve the normalcy that we both crave. Sad. Very much what she said to Aaron, but just repeating that whole, they had a normal life. He had a normal, grounded life relatively. And we both want a normal life. But I can't give that up. And further... I hear this song and I've seen people say, we should try to give Taylor more of a normal life because it's what she wants. I also don't necessarily believe that because Taylor could retract a little bit. She'll never be normal. We talked about that. But she could retract and she doesn't. Why? I think that she, maybe
0: at the point where she met Joe Allen, didn't really think it was possible to have like a healthy, balanced, high profile relationship. So what she wanted was a private relationship. And when she tried that with Joe, realized very quickly, there's no such thing as private normal life for Taylor Swift, no matter how hard she tried. And yeah, that's sad. But I mean, there's pros and cons to every single way you live your life. I feel like you and I, Danny, talked about this a lot in our analysis of The Lucky One way, way back then. Like, it was maybe early season one, on, yeah, really early, of where you know, what's your definition of lucky? is living a normal life being able to like go to the grocery store looking like an egg because you didn't brush your hair that day and no one's going to take pictures of you or talk about your appearance or anything like that you can just go about your day mind your business no one cares but like maybe your con is like you struggle financially or uh, you have to work 80 hours a week to make ends meet but you have privacy in your life and no one's judging you on a large international scale. Or is lucky being famous and having money and not really having to worry about your finances because no matter what, you can afford a house anywhere. But the con is you have zero privacy in your personal life. Your personalized life is everyone's business because everyone's gonna be writing about it. And if you're someone like Taylor Swift, it's gonna make international news. So like there's pros and cons to like every part of everything. And I bet to tailor a massive pro of not having a normal life is being able to make music and connect with millions of people across the world. She loves her fandom. And a con of embracing a normal life is losing all of us, which I, I can't imagine her experience of like waxing and waning with what she wants more because I'm sure she's always like in between, always.
1: And she's fought this battle for a long time. Of course, The Lucky One came out on OG Red all the way back in 2012. And in 2012, if Taylor had made the decision to step back from the spotlight, we're here 12 years later now, she would still Mm -hmm. be recognized in public, but it wouldn't be like it is today. So she's had those realization moments of, pros and cons and she firmly decided that a pro it was the pros outweighed the cons for staying famous
0: and she said during red taylor's version coming out that she has realized that she's the happiest when she is making stuff putting new stuff out Constantly. That's what makes her the happiest. I trust that she can make decisions about her life and her balance with the public eye, you know.
1: Agreed. She's made her decision, but it doesn't mean it doesn't come with cons. I'm eager for me to get the chance to talk about the Joe Alwyn relationship because, Olivia, you and I have talked, just you and I, about things that we speculate regarding their relationship that we don't necessarily feel Mm -hmm. comfortable saying on hot mics yet and so i always hesitate when i make a comment on their relationship especially in terms of it ending because we don't have much context from taylor yet but what i am assuming relatively safely at this point but i can't say confidently because i'm not a confidant of taylor swift is that <laughs> Joe Alwyn Liked Taylor Swift more When she was away From the spotlight It was somebody That he liked more And she thought That maybe she could Do that for him And Peace is a recognition Of I'm getting back Into the spotlight Lover was a big pop album She was about to go On Lover Fest. It felt like A realization moment Of I'm still climbing So are you going To climb with me Please Of course she didn't Know at the time That folklore Would skyrocket Her career even higher Somehow I don't think She saw that coming So it's funny That this song Song all about her being like, I'm pretty famous, but is it okay that I can't give you peace? It was on an album that made her astronomically more so.
0: Yeah. Years before the Eras Tour, which hello, look at what the Eras Tour has done for her. 2023 was an insane year for Taylor Swift.
1: Well, wow, we talked about it all last week. Ever been
0: <laughs> yeah. literally crazy. Continuing on with the song, she sings, Your Integrity Makes Me Seem Small. You paint dreamscapes on the wall. I talk shit with my friends. It's like I'm wasting your honor.
1: Starting out the gate, your integrity makes me feel small. He has a lot of integrity from her perception, and she feels like she doesn't have the integrity he has. So it makes her feel like not a good person. He's a great person, and she's not a great person.
0: Integrity is like morals. So he has great morals, and she doesn't feel like she can match that.
1: And it jumps skipping a line to the, I talk shit with my friends. It's like, I'm wasting your honor. That to me ties right into the, your integrity makes me feel small. You know what it feels like? I I love my boyfriend so much. I love Matt so much. And he will talk shit with me. He has no problems. But occasionally if I'm like talking shit and he doesn't want to talk shit with me, I'm like, oh my God, I'm a bad person. Girl,
0: girl, my boyfriend doesn't like to talk shit. And it's not because he judges people for talking shit. He's just, he doesn't know how to you know be a little mean sometimes and it's not like I'm nasty or anything right <laughs> like you know i a little gossip and he just is so so bad at like having a back and forth shit talking sesh and so I'm just like shit talking shit talking shit talking and he's like uh-huh 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 I'm like oh so I'm mean and you're <laughs> nice oh okay was, okay
1: Yeah, I was gonna say while I was telling my story I'm like I'm gonna say this and Olivia's gonna be like girl don't even get me started because Olivia's boyfriend does not he will not along but he just doesn't He'll be supportive
0: he won't judge me for anything I say but like not danny's boyfriend will call me up to talk shit
1: (laughs) (laughs) he is there for a tea party man that is that is one thing about him i like the idea that taylor swift when she does humanize herself the thought of taylor swift just being a person and talking shit with her friends but on the other hand I imagine Joe Alwyn, and this is totally speculation, guys. Just roll with me for a second. (laughs) Her thoughts of it's like, I'm wasting your honor. What did he say or what did he do when she was talking shit with her friends that made her feel like a bad person? I don't know. That could just be speculation. Maybe he did nothing and just nodded like your boyfriend does and she still felt bad. But it makes me wonder if he had this superiority complex about not being petty and settling into the gossip and into the tabloids and whatever because I get that vibe I get that hipster ass vibe from him I kind of
0: feel like the answer might be in the song I think that I talk shit with my friends is a direct contrast of you paint dreamscapes on the wall so you paint dreamscapes on the wall I talk shit with my friends. It's like I'm wasting your honor. Like you're doing these like grandiose bigger than just us people things. And I'm just sitting here being petty and doing these small things. I think it's like a contrast.
1: I think you're probably right. Like I doubt it's literal. If we look at the song Paper Rings from Lover, uh, she sings that line, I'm with you even if it makes me blue, which takes me back to the color that we painted on your brother's wall. I don't think she's actually singing about him painting murals on <laughs> walls. No, no, no. I think you're right. I think it's, you do all these his big, wonderful things. Life, you, know? you do all these big, yeah. wonderful things. You're such an honored person. And I'm just a girl who talks shit with my friends.
0: And it's, it's interesting too, right? Because like the first verse was, oh my God, I realize I can't give you peace. And then the chorus is, but I can do all these things. I can do all these great things for you. And then we're slipping back into like the second guessing anxiety of how could what I have to offer you be enough when you do all these like great things. And really at the end of the day, I'm just a bitch that talks shit with my friends.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know,
0: it's interesting how she waxes and wanes.
1: The song continues with, and you'd know that I'd swing with you for the fences, sit with you in the trenches, give you my wild, give you a child. I I knew you were going to sigh. So
0: emotional. (laughs) Um, If I'm actively listening to the song, this is where I tear up every single time. Every, every, every single time. Before we get there, I, I wanted to point out a parallel that I noticed with You know that I'd swing with you for the fences, sit with you in the trenches. And, you know, in the chorus, she's saying, like, I'll keep your heart warm. If your cascade ocean wave blues come, she'll be there for him. But she will also fight for him, which is, I think, what she's depicting with these lines. She would swing for the fences, fight anything that's coming. She would sit with him in the trenches. It's a war analogy. She would be there for him for battles. And a sad parallel is from You're Losing Me. All I did was bleed as I tried to be the bravest soldier fighting in only your army front lines. And so at one point, he had stopped fighting this battle that they were facing together. And only she was fighting, trying to like make up the two of them.
1: Man, that's devastating. People have asked that's us to talk bad. about your losing name. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not ready to talk about you losing me. <laughs> you know, I'm still processing, and it came out literally last May. Uh, Another parallel is from New Year's Day. I'll be there if you're the toast of the town, babe, or if you strike out and you're crawling home. She'll be there no matter what. I'd swing with because... you for the fences. Sit with you in the trenches. We think about swing for the fences and that's a baseball term for when you're going for all your might you're gonna get that home Mm -hmm. run and then sit with you in the trenches which is a war analogy about being in a trench in war and she compares war to relationships quite a bit especially with joe alwyn which could use its own fair share of unpacking Mm -hmm. but she'd be there for better or for worse this is like the most poetic way to say that yeah it almost makes me wonder like is this just her desperately
0: trying to overcompensate for the fact that she cannot give him peace at the end of the day being with her is not peaceful so she will overcompensate and fight harder than she would in a quote normal relationship she would lay down her life for him just to have something to counteract that she can't give him a peaceful life
1: which speaking of giving him things she can't give him a peaceful life but she could give him her wild and a child We think about the line, give you my wild, and I love that line. Our friend Taylor got that tattooed on her, and I think it's just so beautiful, (laughs) give you my wild, and it's all about giving up your youth and all of the crazy things you would do and all of your fun and yada yada. You'd give that up. You'd give up all of that to be with that person. You would even settle down and give them a child, which is just a lovely, lovely thing that someone can do for someone else is bear their children. I don't want to talk about Taylor Swift and having kids. I was about to start commenting and I'm like, (laughs) I don't think I want to do that on a hot mic. But that's like the greatest thing that you can give somebody is to give somebody your wild, your youth, your life and give them another life, a child.
0: Yeah, and the way that she delivers this line, her voice, like, kind of wakes a little bit. gets really, really soft, really, really vulnerable, and this is when I inevitably tear up. Give you my one, you a child. And it almost is delivered, like, I hate speculating on this, but the way that it, it comes across to me is that's not necessarily something that is high priority for her, but if it's for him, she'll do anything i don't think she would be unhappy with the child but it seems like an offering like is this what you want because i can do that too like i i can make my life work around that if that's what you want i've always
1: heard it like that i'm so glad you
0: said mm -hmm. that like it doesn't give me like i want to have babies with you it gives do you want a child i can do that yeah we can do that (laughs) it feels like an offering which is interesting
1: i'm so glad you said that because i've always heard it that way it doesn't seem like a collaborative we could raise children together it does feel like a will do whatever you want i'll give you my wild i'll give you a child (laughs) (laughs) whatever makes you stay
0: and i interpret like the give you my wild is something more like I could give you a carefree, fun life versus I could give you a child. I can give you a settled down domestic life. I could give you whatever you want, whichever angle you want.
1: Interesting interpretation. I hadn't thought about it that way. Oh, that's fun. That's cool. Wow. It's just what a crazy line. And also, again, in the context, the greater context of the song of I can't give you peace, but I'll give you anything else you ask of me. It, within my power.
0: One thing. And don't hold that against me because I'll do everything to make it up to you.
1: She continues with her gives with, give you the silence that only comes when two people understand each other. Family that I chose. Now that I see your brother as my brother, is it enough? <laughs> Louise's <laughs> gonna cry. The most obvious parallel here is from You Are in Love. You can hear it in the silence, give you the silence that only comes when two people understand each other. But it, this part to me seems like pleading. Like it very much seems like she's pleading with the... We understand each other. We have that. Like, we go from the, I give you my wild, give you my child. We're at that point where we understand each other. And you're the family that I chose. Your brother's my brother. Like, she's getting to that point of really, really pleading. And then she pulls back to, is it enough?
0: Yeah. You know, after offering these grandiose things, give you my wild, give you my child, she's offering a very simplistic thing. Give you the silence that only comes when two people understand each other. That's the closest piece she could give. <sighs> And the is it enough is so vulnerable. It's like, you know, at first she's like, no, I could never give you peace. Would it be enough if I could never give you peace? Is it enough? It's such an insecure question, I feel like, at this point. Like, she doesn't feel like after, you know, writing down the words, speaking these words out loud, it doesn't seem like enough, even to her. Like, she knows in her heart that it probably isn't enough. Uh,
1: It does. It does sound like a question that's already been answered. That she knows in her heart. This part finishes with, but there's robbers to the east, clowns to the west. I'd give you my sunshine, give you my best, but the rain is always going to come if you're standing with me. We got to talk about the elephant in the room here, which is that she is digging. She takes this moment to dig at a couple of people, in my opinion. (laughs) She digs at Scooter Braun with those robbers to the east for taking her masters. We got a whole two-part series at the very beginning of this podcast, our first episodes about it. And then clowns to the west. And we know that this is targeting Kanye West for one reason. One reason, in the lyric video on YouTube, she capitalizes the word West. I, I didn't know that. Olivia's jaw just <laughs> dropped. You've been tailored. She capitalizes the word West in the lyric video. Wow. That's petty. She it's really shit with petty. her friends. What can she say? <laughs> like, she takes this moment. She's like, is it enough? And then she's like, gonna talk shit, gonna talk shit again. And then she That's comes all back, I do. <laughs> and then she comes back, but I'd give you my sunshine, give you my best. I, I think that's the funniest part of the song to me. Because in the context of the song, it doesn't make much sense. But it does if you think about her talking shit. I had context with the song give me see <laughs> i love the interpretation. It. so i interpreted
0: it <laughs> as you know there's robbers to the east there's people who are there to try to steal their happiness and sunshine you know like people who you know write the tabloids of joe alwyn cheating on taylor taylor cheating on joe alwyn you know like kind of trying to ruffle the feathers there for the sake of having marketable drama to report on Versus clowns to the West, people are going to make fun of her and people are going to make fun of him for dating Taylor Swift because that's the nature of the world, unfortunately, when it comes to Taylor Swift is kind of how. I interpreted it like that's part of like the bad, non-peaceful aspect of being with her. There's always gonna be people trying to rob what they have and trying to make fun of what they have. And you have to ignore it to be with her.
1: True, and she gives us a butt here, which prior she was giving butts, she's contradicting herself through the whole thing of like pros and cons. This is like the pro-con anthem of being with Taylor Swift. So I do like that. I mean, yes, there's obviously ways that that line can fit into the song, but if you're not listening critically, it's just like, oh, she's just taking a break to talk shit. And then goes back to it. And then after her butt, she does the, I'd give you my sunshine, give you my best. I would, I would if it's enough, but then she butts again with a con. The rain is always going to come if you're standing with me. She can guarantee that the rain will come.
0: And then there's another lyrical parallel here with you're losing me. So she sings in peace, I'd give you my sunshine, give you my best. And in you're losing me, she says... I gave you all my best, me's, my endless empathy. Oh, God. She gave her best. She put everything she had into it to make up for the fact that she couldn't bring peace and it didn't work. And I th- also think it's interesting in these few lines that, you know, before she would be like, I can't do this for you, but I can do this. Like the but was rebuttals with pros to cons. And then when she had her insecure, it enough? Now she's having rebuttals with herself of it can't be enough because this is bad. Oh, but I can do this good thing. I can give you my sunshine, give you my best, but it's always going to be shitty if you're with me.
1: True. And also... We know that when she says, the rain is always gonna come when you're standing with me, it's not if the rain comes. And she's saying, I would give you my sunshine, I'd give you my bust, but I'm guaranteeing bad weather. I am guaranteeing that these are bad things that would come. And that self-realization must be really, really hard, especially to confess, and especially when we have a general idea that a low profile is something that Joe Alwyn wants. Because if he didn't want a low profile, why would she hide in a suitcase? to stay away from the media. Why were they wearing wigs and scarves in early 2017 in England to disguise their relationship according to insiders? Yep.
0: And even pulling away from Taylor Swift specifically, I like Aaron Desner's take on it of, you know, him struggling with depression and not feeling like he can be a great partner in a romantic relationship all of the time. And The line, I would give you my sunshine, give you my best, but the rain is always going to come if you're standing with me. In the context of depression, like you can try as hard as you can, you can be sunshine, you can be your best, but sometimes your best isn't sunshine, your best is it's pouring down rain. And does somebody want to stay with you during that? And the mental struggle of letting someone in and hoping that your depression wave doesn't scare them away.
1: I do love that because it ties right into what this whole series is about our whole mental cages about your own personal issues and in Aaron Dessner's case it being his own mental struggles versus a relationship versus Taylor which is about external struggles mm-hmm. impacting the relationship but there is something that happens here in this final chorus that closes us out that I think brings us back to Taylor's own mental cages if you will so we'll wrap yes. up the song with she repeats but I'm a fire and I'll keep your brittle heart warm if your cascade ocean wave blues come all these people think love's for show but I would die for you in secret the devil's in the details but you got a friend in me would it be enough if I could never give you peace would it be enough if I could never give you peace would it be enough if I could never give you peace peace? and we talked about this quite a bit in the Archer, but Taylor Swift uses repetition as a literary device quite often. When she repeats stuff, there's usually a purpose. And you have the in the background intended to give you anxiety. And you've got Taylor repeating the same question. And while each time her voice kind of gets lower, the intensity feels stronger behind the words.
0: Oh, I love this song.
1: So that was Peace. And I don't know why, but when we talk about folklore, Evermore songs, like, I feel so somber afterwards. I'm just like, oh, man, that really gutted me. Like, I feel like I need to go have some tea and chill out. I think what gutted me the most in context of this song
0: was realizing the lyrical parallels between this and You're Losing Me. Because I always thought the song was sad. Even before we got news that Joe and Taylor broke up, I considered it a sad song because, you know, obviously she had and likely still has immense amounts of anxiety with letting people into her life and worrying that her life is too overwhelming for somebody else to be involved in which is a valid fear on her end and it's a valid thing to think about for people that want to enter her life that yeah you could have the best romantic relationship you ever have dreamed of with taylor or the best platonic friendship or family relationship with her that you could ever dream of But there's this massive con and it's a lot to ask of somebody to give up their privacy when that's something that they really love about their life or to be able to withstand how the media will treat you if you walk arm in arm with Taylor Swift down the street. People are relentless, especially when it comes to like celebrities and people in celebrity circles. People treat them like fictional characters, like Making either commentary about like how they look, how they act, how they dress. And you have to be really calloused and ready for that if you want to be in Taylor Swift's life.
1: And, you know, she talks about that quite a bit. And in the quote that we talked about earlier, she says it where she's like, I can't control what all these other people are going to do and how important it is for her For the people, the loved ones that are within her circle, I watched the whole Long Pond studio sessions Mm -hmm. earlier, right? Because I couldn't stop myself. And (laughs) she talks about throughout with all of these tracks, how personal some of them are, but most of them aren't personal. But the people in her life know what's personal and what's not personal. And this Mm -hmm. song is so exquisitely done because it is a realistic love ballad, but about something that's unrealistic for most of us. Yeah. This isn't normal. That's not normal. But we all have cons of being with us. I hate folding and putting away laundry. That's a pretty big (laughs) con of being with me. But no one's going to take a photo of me from two miles away, probably. I don't know. Please don't. Uh, (laughs) Please don't. don't. But, like, we all have pros and cons of being in relationships with us. But Taylor's Mm -hmm. is just so big. And some people see it as a con and some people don't. I think that someone like Travis Kelsey, who she's currently in a relationship with, he has his own fame. He's got his own eyes on him. So he's more used to it. It's not really as much of a con, it seems, for him. Exactly. I think with the right person, it will be enough if you can't bring them
0: peace, because being with you is more valuable than having peace without you. And it's unfortunate that I feel like Taylor didn't have that in this situation, but I think we are all worthy of that no matter what our struggle is here. I know for Taylor, it's fame and that's really difficult for likely all of us listening and (laughs) me and Danny recording to directly relate to that, but it can be interpreted as any sort of demon. Like Taylor's status in society can be seen as, you know, a negative bad demon of hers to somebody who does not value fame. But for us little guys you know it could be any mental struggles that we have it could be you know external like family or something like you don't have a good family life but like they're still involved in your life and you need someone in your life if they want to be romantic with you to be able to withstand that or just anything anything that you feel like would scare away a partner that's out of your control
1: and also regarding taylor specifically I, I always say this and I hesitate so much to talk about her relationship with Joe Alwyn, but like you said, it does make me sad that that wasn't something that she felt like she had. And also, and maybe more importantly, the more I listen to this song and especially after analyzing it with you today, this song to me reads like a plea. It reads mm-hmm. like something was happening there. A rift was happening between them. And this song was written, recorded and released as a plea. You're the family that I chose now that I see your brother as my brother. Please don't leave me. Yeah, she's mentioning the cons, but this song, you know, we mentioned at the beginning that somebody compared it to a prayer online. It sounds like a prayer. It sounds like she's praying to her partner to not leave because here's all the all the pros despite the big con. Praying to a false god, if you will. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> it's worshiper's love. Isn't it kind of so devastating to, like, pick up on these things that we feel like we didn't while they were coming out?
1: Yeah, it is. I also think that something that makes this podcast so fun and so unique and so special, and why we even started doing this is because sometimes it's just nice to listen to Taylor's music and take it for what it is. But then when you get the chance to analyze it, it takes on a whole new life. Like False God, we haven't done on this podcast. I haven't mentally deep dove False God. You, Olivia, have. So you're like, that's a that lot revelations recently. And not because <laughs> I've sat down and picked it apart,
0: but like I more actively listened to it lately. And
1: yeah. <laughs> like Taylor Swift songs get to take on two distinct lives The life before you analyze the lyrics and the life after And mm-hmm. sometimes the life after gives you that context that makes it more enjoyable Like Champagne Problems has always been a great song After we analyzed it, I liked it more And there are times when that's great And there's other times you want to listen to Antihero And not think about how depressing the lyrics are Because once you've analyzed them, you can't go back So her songs get to take on those two distinct lives And here we are getting to talk about it with peace yeah Mm -mm. critics loved this one people called it the most romantic taylor swift song ever funny enough the realistic love song thing i mentioned earlier that was taken directly from a quote from a critic talking about this song nate jones from vulture said that it was clearly more autobiographical than much of the album and was really excited to hear her sing about the stress that comes with dating one of the world's most famous women People called it stunning in its musical composition and how gut-wrenchingly vulnerable it was. People likened it to call it what you want from reputation and the archer in intensity and vulnerability, which I love. And WRVU said that piece was Taylor's most exquisite song that she's ever written, representing a love song in the purest and most devastated sense with some of the most lush lyrics she has ever written. Hey, I said the other week, I think this would have been a perfect track five. (laughs) It really is just so personal And so well-reviewed It was hard to find a negative review on it In fact, the only real negative review that I found Was somebody saying that the muted R&B sound In the background Made it not really fit folklore That it was more, get this, reputation-y I know, (laughs) I know Hello (laughs) Also, of course, the controversial Not really having a second verse Or not really having a bridge Like it's verse, chorus verse bridge yeah there's not a whole lot of lyrics in it but the lyrics pack one hell of a punch i guess i never fully realized that the chorus only repeats once yeah and then the outro is long not in words but in the as it goes out it goes on for a while it's oh god this song guts me oh it's so good
0: yeah i this is a taylor swift song that without doubt if i'm sitting down and truly listening i will cry a little bit Every single time. It's the give you my wild, give you a child in her small, shaky, vulnerable voice that gets me every time. What did you tay learn this week? I tay learned that she capitalized West in the lyric video, my petty queen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what did you Taylor? All of the parallels with your losing me that you taught me about and also with false god. I would have never thought of peace and false god as being two sides of the same coin, but they kind of are. Yeah. Crazy. What are we talking about next week? Uh, Next week, in light of the winter
0: break endings recently for those who are in college, we're going to be talking about Taylor Swift college courses. Some Taylor Swift college courses of the past, present, future that we know of topics that academia are covering in terms of Taylor Swift that you can get college credit for and then get a degree with. That's crazy. So we're going to be talking about all the different classes that are out there. And we also may have a special surprise for you.
1: Mm, Maybe. (laughs) So be sure to tune in. And we love you guys. We've loved interacting with you. We've had the opportunity over the last couple of weeks to engage with quite a bit of you quite a bit of you sounds really weird but you know several of you and so keep sending us emails or messaging us on social media we're on instagram and tiktok at tay learning podcast on twitter at tay learning send us an email tay learning podcast at gmail.com and keep your eye on our website tay learning because you know if the surprise that might be happening next week happens the website might be a good place to be for this week my name is olivia and my name is danny see you
0: next wednesday
1: Çeviri <gülüyor> 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 <gülüyor>